0: This is Unleash Creativity Podcast. Welcome to episode four. My name is Scott Phillips. I'm a seventh grade math teacher at Aurora, Nebraska. Aurora is a small town of about 4,500 people, just an hour drive away from Lincoln, Nebraska, and I'm finishing up my 10th year of teaching at Aurora Middle School. This is Unleash Creativity Podcast. Episode four, what's next? So i want to revisit the purpose of the podcast here briefly in episode one i talked about my um, reasoning behind starting the podcast and i want to keep that the same so one of the main goals i have with this is to have it be a timeless podcast so teachers 10 years down the road can still listen to this and find it relevant to what they're doing in their classrooms so i'm not going to hit a lot of hot topics throughout the course of the podcast but I think especially one of the main purposes for me is that for it to be a reflective experience that I can sit back and look on it a year down the road and say, look how far I've come as an educator, but not just that. Look at how things have changed over the course of the year. And what better time to do that than when we're literally going through a worldwide crisis with the coronavirus. And I, I want to use this as an opportunity to you and to talk through some of the things that I've done so far through this e-learning experience, but also in part two of the podcast, I want to make some quote unquote predictions about where I think this could take us as educators and as an ed- education system in general. So really excited for today. It's been a kind of a one in progress throughout the course of the last month, but at the same time, I really think it's going to be important for all of us to reflect on this experience when it's all said and done. So this first part of the podcast is gonna be all about what I've experienced thus far, things I've learned along the way, and things that I wish I could go back and change, but obviously I can't. So the first and foremost, biggest piece of advice I have for you is to take it slow. Don't expect that this e-learning experience is gonna even represent a fraction of what it's actually like to be in a physical classroom with students. This is not the same thing. This is so tough to relay the messages, answer questions, get your point across, have solid instruction, build relationships, all those things that make us educators. It is so difficult to do this through technology. But to reassure you a little bit, don't expect the same amount of engagement, the same amount of interaction, uh, the same amount of joy throughout this whole process. One of my favorite things about teaching is when I have a lesson put together that I'm so excited about, I can feel that excitement from my students in the room. When I put a lesson out on Google Classroom, it is really hard for me to find that same sense of joy in the excitement from the kids because I'm not there with them. I might get a message every now and then or a Facebook, a uh, notification or whatever it may be that, hey, my, my so-and-so, my daughter, my son really loved your activity today, but it's just not the same. I'm not saying that I just do those things in class to find that excitement and that joy and that contagious attitude, but that is one of my main motivating factors to keep going with what I'm doing. When I work really, really hard on a lesson and it goes well in class, it gives me motivation to continue to do that throughout the school year. The e-learning process has been draining. It's been like the first year of teaching all over again. You go to bed tired, wake up tired, and don't really know how you're gonna tackle the next day. We're dealing with emotional issues of our own families, of the kids we're working with. We're dealing with a mental state unlike any other. Just taking away the physical contact and presence of our students is a huge transition for us as teachers. I referenced John Gordon in the last podcast And I have a short little blurb here. I'm going to read from his book again, but it is so crucial to understand why is it different in person? So one of the biggest keys I'm going to give you throughout this podcast today is to keep it positive. Let's not leave them with a bad taste in their mouth from their third grade year, fourth grade year, senior year, whatever it may be. I get it that we want to try to instruct them as much as possible. I understand that. But in a lot of states, there's no more state testing this year. So that pressure is taken off of us as teachers. I'm going to spend a podcast in the future talking only about state testing. So I'll I'll go down that tangent here later. But that side of the pressure academically is gone. If you do the math, real quick, I'm going to go off on this math problem for you. It is a fourth of a year, a fourth of a school year. So one-fourth of a thirteenth of their schooling experience. So if you take a fourth of a 13th, that's multiplication, you multiply it, you get like 1.9%. I'm not trying to belittle this on everybody's situation that they're in. I get it, it's tough for a senior to lose the last part of their senior year. It's tough for my kindergarten daughter to lose all those fun experiences. It's tough for me as a teacher to no longer be able to do those things with my seventh graders that, that require physical contact and physical presence for them to be done it is 2%, 1.9% of their entire academic career. But we've gotta take care of what we can control. And what you can control right now as an educator is setting the example for your students and saying no to some things that you would normally wanna go do. So back to the idea of why is it so important to be in physical contact with people? So this is at the very beginning of a chapter called Contagious, out of the book called You Win in the Locker Room First by John Gordon. And actually, it was co-written by John Gordon and Mike Smith. So I'll give both of them credit. Mike Smith was a former head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. So this part was written by John Gordon. Research from the Heart Math Institute, got to love that math, shows that when you have a feeling in your heart, it goes to every cell in the body, then outward, and other people up to 10 feet away can sense feelings transmitted by your heart. This means that each day you are broadcasting to your team, in this case to your students, how you feel. You are either broadcasting positive energy or negative energy, apathy or passion, indifference or purpose. Each member of your class is contagious, and every day you are all either sharing positive or negative energy with each other. First of all, let's just stop and think for a second. Literally, our emotions are projected up to 10 feet away from us. So my room is actually, I know this for a fact because we do a, a, a lesson on area and we talk about the area of my carpet in my classroom. So my room is about 30 by 30. So it's about 30 feet by 30 feet. It's like 29 and a half, but really close. So in my classroom, if I have kids sitting a couple feet away from each other, they are projecting their emotions, positive or negative. The next group is less than 10 feet away from each other. They're projecting it. It is literally contagious. So when I'm in my classroom and I'm walking among my students, they can tell the moment they walk into my room of whether or not I'm in a good mood or a bad mood. And I have to say nothing for that to happen. So that is unreal. So why is this so important for the e-learning that we're going through right now? That doesn't happen when you're looking at a screen. You can't project that. Literally, we cannot project our emotions when we're looking at a screen. And I don't know about you, but I'm just tired of looking at a screen. I wanna get my kids up and doing things. I wanna get my students like away from the computer if I can, but the hard thing is how do I give them the lessons without having them use a computer in the first place? So I try to keep my videos short. I try to keep them as um, efficient as possible, but at the same time, I try to keep them fun, engaging, and give the kids an opportunity to kind of take a step back a little bit and enjoy this a little bit too. This is a stressful time for everybody. You've gotta understand that every single person that we're in contact with on a daily basis is in a different situation. Every single student has siblings. Some of them don't have siblings. Some of them have parents that work all day. Some of them don't. Some of them have a mom or dad that sits next to them while they're doing their homework. Some of them have parents that could care less. And I'm not trying to step on any toes when I say this, but you've gotta understand that every student is in a different situation. We lose the control of our classroom environment. We have now taken our classroom environment and placed it into every single house that our students are in. Unreal, unreal. This is not gonna be able to replace the classroom. This is not gonna be able to replace you as a teacher. We're gonna be able to all reevaluate where we're at as educators throughout this process. And it's really been a reflective experience for me thus far. I've had some good things, some bad things. And I think the biggest thing to understand is we've gotta keep it positive. Keep it positive for the kids. Don't just send them busy work. That'd be the absolute worst thing you could do. If you just send them home worksheets and just say, okay, complete the worksheets, even if you give them the answers to the worksheets, I just stress to you, keep this positive. The state testing is not happening in most states. In Nebraska, it's not happening. So the pressure that we have normally is not there. You've got to keep this a positive experience. You've got to keep your kids wanting to come back every single day to see what, what, Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so is gonna post that day. So try that challenge, try to keep it as positive as possible. It is so tough for us as educators to teach, to work, to teach, to work, to raise our kids, to go back to work, to make sure we're still helping out with the lunch, breakfast, supper, and then go back to work. It is hard to juggle ourselves. So how is it any different for your students? How is it any different for them? I mean, I'm stressed 24-7 right now, trying to get things done. How is that different for our students? So I just wanna challenge you to think outside the box a little bit. How can we educate our students still, still give them opportunities to move further along down the curriculum, but also show them grace, show them patience, show them that we're still having fun with this. Talk about where do I think this is gonna take education, and those different aspects after this quick commercial break. This is Quotes to Live By. Things turn out best for the people who make the best of the way things turn out. That's from one of my favorite authors, people, coaches ever, John Wooden. This has been Quotes to Live By. So I'm not gonna take any medical sides of the coronavirus. I don't know when this is gonna be done. I don't know anything about that. I'm not gonna make predictions in that light. But the one thing I am gonna say is that I believe when we're all back from this, we should be different. When we're all back from this, we should all appreciate things a little bit more. I don't know about you, but I miss my friends. I miss hanging out with my friends, I miss going playing tennis with my friends, disc golf, whatever it may be. I just miss being around people. Now, the one thing I will say is I, I'm a little bit annoyed when teachers say, well, this just shows the unimportance of state testing, or this just shows the unimportance of grading homework. Now, the reason why I'm annoyed by that is you're comparing apples to oranges. like. I get it. I understand state testing is stressful, but there is still a place for it. Now, do I think it should look different? Absolutely, yes. But there is still a place for it in education. We have to find a way to measure where our kids are at. So if you just say, oh, state testing is, as in the words of Bobby Boucher's mom, state testing is the devil and we have to get rid of it That is not necessarily the correct stance because you know that there's always going to be state testing. There's always going to be accountability. The thing we have to kind of stand on as educators is what's the best way to do that and is the best way to give them 50-plus questions in a high-stakes moment and tell them that if they don't do well on the test, we're all going to lose our jobs. There is a better way to approach state testing. And like I said, I will spend more time on that in the future. So you've got to get away from the fact that when I say things are going to change, we're going to just all of a sudden not state tests anymore. That's not the case. Now, homework. Homework is a pretty hot topic. I don't personally give a lot of homework in class, so I can't sit here and say that, oh, you should give homework every single day. But to use this e-learning and this COVID crisis as a reason to say we should never give homework ever is a little bit ridiculous. Once again, you're comparing being in physical presence with kids and having some sort of accountability to them all being in their own situations at home by themselves with their parents in different, different life situations and saying that, oh, well, they're not turning in their homework, they don't care, so why should I have them turn it in when they're in our physical school? You're not comparing the same things. You can only compare like things. Don't try to take a stance and say, well, I told you so. I told you that homework is bad. I told you state testing is bad because you cannot compare this to anything else. I'm not sure about you, but in my 10 years of teaching, I've never experienced anything like this and I'm hoping I never experience it again. When we return to school, things will be different. I've been challenged over the course of this e-learning experience to think, what am I doing that is worthwhile for my students? So like, when I come back to the classroom, I've gotta continue to ask myself that question. What am I gonna do this week, this unit, this chapter that is worthwhile to my students? What am I gonna do that's gonna challenge them, that's gonna push them, that's gonna be engaging, empowering, all those different things? So that idea should trickle down to the next thing. So you've gotta be flexible. And I suggest that that, that's what's gonna possibly change in your future. When you come back the next year i want to challenge you go back to episode number one on my podcast i talk about the importance of failure when's the last time you failed as an educator i'm telling you i've failed at least once a week during this e-learning it is a learning process it has not gone super well at times when you return to school you have to have that same mentality i'm going to push myself as an educator enough to where i'm failing every now and then And if I do that, that's gonna show growth. It's gonna show that I am progressing towards becoming a better educator throughout this experience. Things are gonna look different when we come back. Things are gonna look different for as far as a structural system. Like we have learned a lot about our districts and a lot about school in the state of Nebraska throughout this process. And I feel like we have done a pretty good job as a state of transitioning. Throughout this process, I've been challenged like never before. I've been challenged to think outside the box, to try to transition my, my method and my philosophy 100%. I do a lot of movement in my classroom. I move around. I interact with the kids a lot. I build relationships. That has completely been, been flipped on its head. And I think a lot of us are in the same exact situation. So I do know some things. I will not take things for granted. I'm not gonna lie. I really do like being with my family during this time. A lot of times I am working 24 seven and I'm coaching and I'm teaching and I'm trying to come up with these lessons. And so I might see my daughters, you know, for an hour to a day. So to go from seeing them for an hour to a day, to spending 24 seven with them has been a breath of fresh air at times. Don't get me wrong, my kids are not angels. <laughs> they do a lot of things that kind of annoy me, but I've really enjoyed that time. I have been personally reevaluating how is that going to be different once I'm able to go out and do those things. So once I'm able to go out and play sports with my friends or go to school and actually see students, like how is that going to change my life at home? So I don't know about you, but I have a tendency to want to check my phone. Now, when I am with my friends and my phone goes off, I'll check it because I don't want to, I want to make sure that it's not like it's an emergency or something like that. But I wanna just challenge you that the next time we're able to go out with our friends, whenever it may be, leave your phone in the car. Take some time just to interact and catch up and to have that face-to-face conversation. We can get that back still, it's not too late. I remember a very vivid transition for me when I was in high school. So when I was in high school, phones were really just used for calling and for just, just starting to text. Like texting was a thing when I was like a senior in high school. I remember leaving for my, after my senior year, going to a a, a year of college and then after a year of college, so in that one span of one year, a few of my friends got a BlackBerry. And now if you're too young to remember what a BlackBerry is, it was like one of the first phones that you could do more on, right? You could like maybe check the internet. Wow, that was a big deal. You could check your email, oh my goodness, right? So they had a BlackBerry and we got together for the first time in about a year, And I will never forget a few of my friends sitting on their phone and never even looking up. And I remember thinking, what has changed? Now, I'm hoping that this pendulum swings a little bit the other direction after this is all said and done. That maybe when we're with our friends in the future, we're with our, our family in the future, we're gonna put the phones down and actually interact with them, play a board game, go outside, do something. I'm hoping that changes. I'm hoping that the difference is we don't take that face-to-face contact for granted. I hope that this experience, even though it's really, really bad, that there is some good out of this, that we don't take for granted the fact that we are able to -to face-to-face talk to people, that we're able to give people hugs, that we're able to spread positivity through our presence, through our literal hearts, that we're able to spread that contagious attitude, let's not take for granted that we are able to live this life together, whether that's with our students, our family, our parents, whoever it may be. So my only challenge for you today, I'm always going to end with a challenge, is to rectify relationships. If there's a relationship in your life that you think, man, I just messed up or they messed up or whatever, it may require forgiveness. It may require you to swallow your pride a little bit, but I'm going to challenge you to rectify that, to try to regain that so once this coronavirus is over, you can get back and mend the broken relationship. So I know that's a little bit more of a personal, challenging thing for this podcast, but what better time for us to really reflect on what's important in life and really reflect on the importance of positivity, the importance of sticking together through this. Thanks again for listening to today. Feel free to subscribe and, um, I'm excited for episode five, but this has been a, a, a really thoughtful process for me throughout episode four. So hopefully you enjoyed it and we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. This has been Unleash Creativity Podcast.